This is the Rock Hammock Podcast number 12. I am Bill, your host. My guest today is Justin Fedor, who's a multi-instrumentalist for the Americana alt-country group The New Familiars, as well as the bassist for the psychedelic rock revivalist Ancient Cities. He's also the creative force behind the tribute to benefit the Levine Children's Hospital, whose upcoming fundraising event will honor the late, great Tom Petty on December 8th at the Neighborhood Theater in Charlotte, North Carolina. Between his two active bands, he's opened for the likes of Greg Allman and Levon Helm. He's played the Newport Folk Festival in South by Southwest and has been featured in Vanity Fair and The Village Voice. We cover a lot of ground, so let's get started. Articles written about you, and uh, you you tweeted recently. Your, your, I think it might have been your last tweet. Oh man! And it was uh, if you're ever at one stop beer shop in Brooklyn, uh, ask for the purple rain with popcorn. Hashtag trust me. Yeah. What uh? What are we getting into there? What's uh? Oh man! You know. Is uh, it a, I'll tell you. An you, IPA or a <laughs> n- no? Uh, it's an experience, is what it is. Uh, you know, New York City. I just got back from a trip there, uh, and and really the first night I flew into town, uh, I was planning to just I, I took a late flight and uh, and I got in almost close to midnight to my friend's apartment and wasn't planning on going anywhere and I got a, a text just saying do you want to meet for a drink and so I went and met for a drink and uh, we sat down at the bar and. Uh, ordered up some beers and and one beer turned into two beers turned into three beers before you know it's like really late there in new york city uh and uh there's a couple bartenders behind uh the bar there at uh the one stop uh, kevin and and uh kyle right and then they're 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 to me they're probably actors working on something you know everybody's right. got a side hustle in new york city nobody's just a bartender sure and, uh, is per- this the city or is it Brooklyn? Uh, it's in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're out where like people can afford rent. So it's right. definitely. Well, I don't definite. know. I don't know if that's true anymore in Brooklyn. It's the, oh uh, yeah, that's it, the big argument. Well, it, um, well, my pals can still afford it. And they're, they're, <laughs> nobody over there is really killing it. So no offense to any of my New York friends, uh, but I, I think you're killing it in other ways. Uh, but yeah, if Kevin and Kyle are working behind the bar you should request purple rain with popcorn and just see what happens. Okay. And, and, we'll and that's there. where I want to leave it at because okay. like that is there, there's a treasure there. Uh, <laughs> and if you go and, and it, Thursday night was when they were working. Uh, so if you go to the one stop beer shop in Brooklyn on a Thursday night, find Kevin, find Kyle, two very nice fellows. Uh, and order the purple rain with popcorn and just see what happens. All right. Well, you're in luck because I think um, a big part of my audience is in New York because that's that's really? where I moved from a couple years ago. Nice. We well, there's a lot of New Yorkers down here, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've you've oh, discovered yeah. your your. I've, your I've discovered no one's from here except the people I bring on this show. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not <laughs> even from here. I'm from, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and I moved here from Scottsdale, Arizona. So oh, wow. yeah, I I moved west and then came back here. So I like I like uh, Charlotte. I've been here for over ten years now. So it's definitely treated me well. Well, let's get into uh, you know who you are and what you're about. So you're. Um, it's funny just researching you and listening to you know a lot of the stuff you're involved in. You, you've got your finger in many pies. 
yeah, I'm a hustler. Okay. For, yeah, I, I like mean, that. that's I just like I, I also have a real hard time not staying busy. I don't own a television. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a lot of people they crave like that man i just want to go veg out and i'm like no i just want to go zone out and play some mandolin <laughs> or you know like play a bass line or you know that's what i it's or, or the concert series or travel or any of that like, well you're you're a multi-instrumentalist so where does that where does where does that come from did are you from a musical family or is this something you just <sighs> fell into as a kid yeah no i no one in my family is musical uh my dad claims to have sung in a band at and when he was in high school which i mean you know i did too i think everybody uh, a lot of people had that experience of of singing in a band in high school where you like you had a garage and you did that sort of thing. sure um but i don't think they really gigged or anything and then uh when i wanted to when i started to show musical aptitude uh, i wanted to buy a guitar like i had the desire behind that that i needed to have this guitar and my dad was like, cool, get a job over Christmas break, save your money, buy a guitar. It sounds like a great plan. <laughs> um, so like, that was the sort of push in that direction. It was that like, if I wanted to do it, I had to do it myself. What were you listening to at the time? What kind of inspired it? Uh, you know, I went from listening to really crappy radio to uh, discovering my parents' vinyl. So like... Was radio like album-oriented rock of the 80s or yeah you know like um it was weird my parents my first radio sort of thing was an alarm clock radio and so i found like paula abdul on the radio (laughs) and in vogue and uh who else like i you know like the hits of mtv 80s just trash mid 80s i guess yeah yeah and and then i was fortunate to be um just to sur- like bump into like people in the world who took pity on my shitty musical uh, skills, and they were like, "God, you need to listen to this instead." Um, and that's when I was like, "Okay, well, what are these things over here in the corner?" And I found my parents' vinyl, so it was like, uh, the clearly like the Beatles were awesome. When I found Help mm-hmm. that record uh, specifically, and they also had Abbey Road, so wow. like it was like two f- pretty. F- far ends of the spectrum for the Beatles, but I, I really liked both those albums. Uh, my uncle had stolen my dad's uh, Sgt. Pepper's and replaced it with a Beach Boys Greatest Hits. So like when I went to put that Sgt. Pepper's record on, it was Beach Boys. And oh, my, funny. Yeah, my dad was like, what the hell is that? He got real <laughs> pissed. And I was like, Dad, you haven't listened to records in like 20 years. Um, and then uh, Zeppelin and Black Sabbath for sure was like, yeah, my dad loved like some Black Sabbath and The Doors, and um, my mom was a huge Moody Blues fan, or is a huge Moody oh. Blues fan. Um, so there's like always a, a lot of psychedelic uh, rock happening around the the house. My dad was a Marine in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, and so uh, when he came back, he just like went full on hippie for a little while there, and then sort of like you know decided to be family man and and. He's a great family man, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, raised four kids who all seem to be doing all right in the world. That's good. You know? <laughs> like, sure. I'm not too scared of any of my siblings. They seem to do all right. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, he and my, wa- my mom have been married uh, since uh, 1970. Wow. So, you know, they're, they're coming up on, what is that? Uh, their anniversary is on 1127. Uh, so Was it 47 years? 47 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, come on, 50. Yeah, geez, good for them. Yeah. Such a rarity these days. Did I answer any of those questions? You did. Well, my next question is, uh, you mentioned the guitar, and it was the guitar that 
yeah. caught your ear. It wasn't drums or whatever. I mean, I feel like no, primitive I, boys are like drums beat something. And Oh, man, and, Dave Grohl made me air drum like nobody else. I'll tell you <laughs> that because my brothers were taking drum lessons finally when we got to high school. And so I took their drumsticks and was just like totally <laughs> Dave Grohl. But no, I was completely on the guitar all the way until after college. I didn't even pick up anything else until after college. And then it sort of just became... Um, a curiosity mm. like uh, I'd always played with alternate tunings on the guitar and so right from the get-go yeah 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 uh, especially with like learning Led Zeppelin tunes um, did you have formal lessons from a private instructor do you have it through school or all through friends like all of my buddies so just yeah. kind of picked it up on your own yeah, yeah all, all my buddies well my friends taught me how to read tablature okay uh, so I can't read music now I can read music sort of like a second grader can read a book sure um, but uh, but I, I can read tablature pretty well, uh, like really fast, actually. Like if I have that laid out in front of me, I can I can sight read pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and and that comes from church days. I I performed in a church doing sight reading tablature style. But uh, my friends taught me how to like learn all the basic cowboy chords, and then they were so gracious as to like let me play in their garage bands as the rhythm guitar player mm -hmm. um, because like there would always be this like awesome metal shredder that could play. Like I remember <laughs> Tim Doyle was like my high school metal shredder friend <laughs> who like had like all the leather and the sweet uh, like flying V guitar and could play like everything Pantera. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that, that was just fortunate in that regard of like, I think most people liked having me around because I was curious and willing to like, do whatever it took to be just that portion of the song like right. I'll just hold this down over here <laughs> and then you guys kill it um so and then eventually like after college was the whole bluegrass thing and starting to get into like learning the mandolin and the banjo but that I think was kind of like I, I so I learned alternate tunings and that was made it simple to play other instruments because I understood like alternate tunings and string theory and like what happens when you drop it to D or drop it to G or any of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I've always finger picked, like, you know, I, I, I cut my nails on like silent lucidity and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> God love Queens rank. And uh, you can't get enough of jet city <laughs> woman. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's my musical journey. Well, it's funny to talk to you just for this short amount of time, and I could tell you just have such a vast knowledge and appreciation for all types of music, which I get. I mean, that's that's amazing for any musician, but I just feel like, I mean, me growing up, I was just, you know, the, the kind of hair metal kid and then graduating into, you know, the college rock you're supposed to like and moving into this and that. But, you know, you've gone from, uh, you know, <laughs> Queensryche Pantera to, you know, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, um, you know, and I know that a lot of your stuff now is uh, Americana and... Yeah, we can get into Ralph Stanley and we can start talking about Del McCurry and like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so at what point are you serious about your bands or, or kind of, you know, getting in a band and thinking, let's try to do something with it? I think, um, I think in most regards... Uh, I think most people that sit and play music with me will get the whole point that I'm once the the talking stops and 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 the fingers start moving it's pretty much always serious for me mm -hmm. um 
you know, I like to have fun when I'm making music and playing music, but uh, I like to do it with a point. Uh, you know, the New Familiars, we always had a point to what we were doing uh, and what we are currently doing. Um, we grew into a new phase. We, we started out with that whole concept of let's tour all over the U.S. And, and, you know, be like the next, the band. Or, right. You know, because we love the band. And, and uh, we thought that that was like still like a feasible, uh, well, it was a feasible thing for us. You know, we were able to go out for weeks at a time and come home and the vehicle didn't break down and, and nobody got hurt and everyone could pay their bills. Uh, and we were all living and moving and then, you know, life sort of like slipped in there and, you know, guys sort of moved in like a new phase of their life. Uh, but yeah, as far as like, as far as being serious with it, uh, in ancient cities, uh, for that, for me as well, getting serious with that. Um, Miss Stephen Warwick was like the first songwriter I met here in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And when he slid the demos of the first album across the table to me, uh, for me to listen to, I was like, man, this is really good. Sure, yeah, I'd be serious about playing this because it sounds great, you know? Um, yeah. Your ears will tell you when to be serious, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, if if people show up to the table the second day and the third day and the fourth day and they keep showing up as far as a band is investing, you know, that'll tell you to be serious as well. Mm -hmm. Now, what'd you go to college for? Business. Okay. I mean, I went to college... Okay. I went to college for the experience, uh, but no, I, 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 I was lost in college. Sure. Um, I was all over the map. I mean, I settled on business, but I was more, if I thought that I could make money with an anthropology degree, I probably would have studied that seriously because I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I thought to myself, I don't know that I could be an anthropologist for a whole life or whatever. Sure. And, my counselor said, get a business degree, and then when you figure out life, you'll at least know how to make money. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, who knows? So, um, the New Familiars, was that your, uh, that was back in 2005 when you guys yeah. started? And that was childhood friends? Yeah, uh, yeah, some, some good friends of mine that I grew up with in, in Greensboro. Uh, we started that band together, and and then, you know, Shortly after that, a couple of the guys, you know, went decided to go do other things, and new guys had joined the band, and uh, and we grew into what we are today, um, which is like you know Pat Mahalan and Josh Daniel and Daniel Flynn and H L Ruth uh, have been the backbone of this band, and now we have Jason Atkins on keys. Uh, the new familiars are. I mentioned the childhood friends as a, as a, um, I love those guys, you right. know what I mean? But the new familiars didn't start doing what the new familiar didn't really make a whole lot of noise until our current lineup, okay. who we are now. Um, those, those guys were part of the formative years of like the first runs up to New York city. We played like the sidewalk cafe. Right. Um, we did the living room. Uh, we had, you know, drunken fights in the streets and, and <laughs> like you know we did all the things bands were supposed to do in the first six months um including like everybody quit and reform <laughs> and so uh we chewed through some drummers over the years but daniel flynn's uh he's the backbone he's a great dude uh, he's he's done 
he's been in that role for a long time. I couldn't, I couldn't permanently ever put somebody else there. He's asked for us to have subs at some portions of his life. But, sure. But, um, man, <laughs> I get all sappy on my, on my crew <laughs> on this one. I could tell you all sorts of stories, but we can save that for another time. Hey, no, we're, we're, that's what we're here for. Um, so in the new familiars, did you guys, I mean, did you guys get around the country much or was it more of an East coast thing or, how, you know, we, we did out all the way out to Utah and Wyoming and, uh, Colorado. And, uh, we never went to California. Mm-hmm. We just like, we got out there, we had a blast. We did the three week long tours. We slept in the vans. We slept out in the great wide open. We, we camped cowboy style. You take your boots off, you stick them under your head and you go to sleep. Right. Jeez. Um, and uh, and we loved it, and and it really was just we proved to ourselves that we could do that. Uh, we worked with some some great management, and we got to play with our heroes along the way. You know, I mean, we we opened for Levon Helm, we opened for Greg Allman, uh, we opened for Vice President Joe Biden. We played the Democratic National <laughs> Convention. You know, I mean, like like we did we did a lot of awesome things. Uh, and now the guys that I consider as tight as family um, need to stay closer to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm good with that. We have our annual Leave on Home tribute, and uh, we get out to uh, some regional festivals that are amazing experiences, like the Bristol Rhythm and Roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we did uh, the Sugarlands Mountain Festival uh, in Gatlinburg this year as okay. well. Uh, and and all of that is is great and and the whitewater center of course i don't want to forget to mention the whitewater center because they continue to be supporters of the new familiars as well that's great um so that's been that's an awesome band as far in my terms of like what do i what else do i need to do with that you know it's like regional festivals uh have fun and guys are able to have their families and we're we're talking about recording a new album and we'll see um but we play on the 24th we'll be doing our Levon Helm tribute on the 24th and 25th mm-hmm. uh, Bob Margolin the guitar player from Muddy Waters he'll be joining us for oh, the wow. shows um, he came down last year we, we've we kept in touch he had a great year this year he's been out on tour with Warren Haynes and Taj Mahal and uh, he just he was trying to figure out if he was going to be in Europe or not and he's not going to be in Europe he's going to be home for Thanksgiving and so uh, he's going to come down for the show and He'll do a 30-minute segment each night, and we'll back him up. And wow. you know, you'll get, you know, Manish Boy and Caledonia further <laughs> on up the road and all the classic Muddy Waters tunes. I mean, he's in The Last Waltz. That's, oh, my uh, God, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, it blows my mind. Like, I stand there next to the guy, and I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm just going to try and stay here as long as possible. Well, you've, uh, I, I saw that somewhere that you were joined, also joined on stage by, um, John Cowan of the Doobies. Yeah, yeah, that was at Merlefest. Okay, where's that? Where's that held? Uh, that's held up in uh, what is that? West Jefferson? Is that the area? Right? Sure. Uh, it's up in the mountains. Is Merlefest like Merle Haggard Fest? Like uh, no, Merle Saunders. Okay. So uh, 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 I'm sorry, not even Merle Saunders. <laughs> that's Jerry Garcia band. <laughs> uh, Merle Watson. Uh, so Doc Watson. You familiar with Doc Watson? Yeah. Um, Doc Watson had a son, Merle Watson, uh, and Merle was. Uh, riding the tractor and flipped it and and uh, it killed him. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, Doc started a festival called Merle Fest, 
Uh, it's up in the mountains. You know, the Avett brothers play it. The year we were there, the Avits were there. Charlie Daniels Band was there. Um, you know, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, and there's a midnight jam that happens. Okay. Uh, and we're there in the hallway, and we're about to go in and play with our friends. They're called Scythian. Uh, this, this, uh, they're Ukrainian, uh, but they play like Irish fiddle jig music, which is <laughs> funny. It's awesome because I'm, my great grandfather's from the Ukraine, so that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> because the other half of me is some, from somewhere close to Ireland, I'm sure of it. Uh, and then, uh, but anyway, so we're about to play and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And we decide we're going to, we do this cover of the Who's Baba O'Reilly. Um, and like within like, seven seconds of deciding that we're going to do that. John Callen's like just standing like within three feet of us. And Josh, uh, our resonator player, he just turns to John Cowan. And he's like, Hey man, uh, do you want to sing the Pete Townsend part? <laughs> and, and John's like, yeah, yeah. I think I would like that. How funny. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we go out and we do the tune and he's never chilled or jammed with us or anything. And, and, uh, he just walked right out and just nailed the Pete Townsend part, and the place went absolutely nuts for it. And, um, <laughs> Are you going nuts inside? Yeah, of course. You know, it's like, got to be a thrill. Yeah, John Cowan, I mean, he's legendary. I mean, the people that he's, he's come up with in, in the new grass world and, and what he's uh, achieved in his own uh, uh, solo success – uh, he's quite the player. We've done a lot of festivals alongside of, his, of, of him. Uh, there's this festival jamming at Hippie Jacks out in Tennessee that's just mm-hmm. uh, insanely awesome that John plays as well. Uh, but to have him sit in with us was great. And, and uh, Josh has joined him on a few occasions since then. Um, so he's always somebody out there we're always keeping an eye on him we haven't got him to come for the Levon helm tribute yet right but he's definitely on our radar if if you're a john cowan fan where does he live uh you know i'm not even really sure where he's residing right now he, he probably answers the same way <laughs> yeah yeah right it, it feels that way for some people i mean i i know the trans you know, transient life's fun though um i want to talk a little bit about um who you, you mentioned somebody that you had good management. Is that who was put, putting together, like getting you on bills and, you know, helping you put together your three month, your th- I'm sorry, three week, you know, touring jaunts or were you guys kind of do it yourself or how did that work? Well, yeah, in the early years, it was absolutely, we were working with a artist, Charisma Artist Agency was the very first booking agency that ever showed any inclination to believe in the, in the, uh, puddle of mess that we were shoveling um so uh they they kept us working pretty hard and and like on that um early on it was like you know pokey lafarge was there uh uh uh, luminescent orchestra was out of new york city um uh who else was on that label there there was just a lot of great uh miss tess and the bonton parade which she's now miss tess and the wildcats and She's out with J.P. Harris doing a bunch of stuff. But, you know, it was like a big Americana thing. And um, it was like one of those things where you, you they kept sending us offers and they could keep us pretty busy, uh, busy enough. Um, and eventually we, we got picked up by management 
uh, Blue Mountain Agency, which is based out of here in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, you know, they're with like Tab Benoit and uh, Danny Barnes from uh, the Dave Matthews Band and Tim Reynolds. Um, you know, they've got uh, some really great clients. And, and uh, we just made, we're always batting for the fences, you know. So, like, you try to, like, jump around and, and you try to get into this system. And sometimes you take people's, you try something, mm -hmm. you know, because you think, you, you think it's a good idea and, and you take advice from people and, and we tried a lot of different scenarios and those scenarios allowed us to go out for three weeks at a time and, and be able to pay our bills. Mm -hmm. um, we survived it for sure. Um, Were you making decent money or is it just kind of, was it covering your costs and stuff? It was covering costs and everybody's bills at home paid. Okay. And then uh, like nobody was like, paying for food on the road or you weren't investing to be on the road like you were you were eating well you were able to I, I, I'd hate to say that we were sleeping well every night that's <laughs> that would be a false statement but you were at least eating well and the vehicle wasn't breaking down and we were comfortable we were all with friends and and we had a blast uh, there was a point where we were sponsored by Highland Brewing um, oh, cool. And they gave us, they gave us entire. <laughs> I don't know if there's room in the van, but here's a couple of cases of. Yeah. No, they literally <laughs> gave us money, which was oh, like even, even yeah, it was even better I, for us. Sure. Um, so uh, that was yeah, it was a great time. Um, it was uh, I, I remember being on the road with no GPS or anything like that. Like we, we used to have to use a road atlas, uh, especially in like the big cities. Sure. Because once like the original Garmin's came out. Uh, as soon as you drove into Atlanta, like the big city would swallow it up and, and you couldn't, you, you'd be like four blocks from where you need to be, but you couldn't find it because sure. the Garmin would just get flipping around and yeah. What, what about even the van itself? Where'd that come from? We took out a business loan. We literally took out a business loan uh, and paid it off early. Uh, had a friend who worked at a dealership and just decided that we were going to really actually buy a real vehicle and not... Uh, waste our time with like nickel and diamond something. Right. Uh, we Did you guys set up as an LLC at some yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. New Familiars were an LLC. Who, who gave you that guidance? Uh, you know, we, you know, we were an LLC. I guess that was Charisma Artist Agency. Okay. Um, just early on in the game, they were, they were, uh, Shelley, um, you behold, uh, she had a very unique last name, but, uh, she and I think that might have been Swedish or something, but she was very insightful. She lived up in Maine, okay. uh, and and like I literally think she just sat in front of a computer every day, emailing every club that she possibly could to get people shows, which was Man, ideal maybe. for a, a a booking agent. Sure, you know, um, and and she worked really hard, but she also was very insightful of like, okay. We're going to be making money now, so you you're going to have to do taxes, which means like LLC and right. um, make things simple on yourselves. And then, you know, we went to a, a trusted banker to get some financial advice when it came down to getting the business loan, and and um, we were able to look down the road, and we sure. knew at that point we were getting the kind of offers that you'd feel comfortable with getting with m making a $15,000 loan, mm -hmm. you know, like 
the offer to us we were like okay well we'd have to play how many shows all right i'll stay committed to the band that long yeah that sounds good right you know i mean you just do the math you're like okay yeah we can do that in a year i'm not i'm not gonna leave you in a year <laughs> maybe two but one year fine um did everybody kind of work together on it or did some people kind of take the lead and be the you know the businessman of the band uh, I would say that Josh and I have always taken the lead on that. Um, just because, uh, quite frankly, when Pat came here from Philadelphia, I convinced him to move here from Philadelphia to play bass in our band. And uh, his stipulation immediately was, um, I did everything for my last band, all the booking, all of the, and I, I just want to play bass. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... He's a great hang and a great bass player, uh, and so those terms worked out fine for me completely. Like, it's it, in some regards, uh, every once in a while he'll you know, he'll throw in his two cents for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also very nice to know that like he's going to be rock solid on the hang, sure, and he's going to be rock solid on the bass, and he trusts you on the rest of it. Uh, and and is looking forward to the gig, and, right? And and that's fine by me, you know. Now, as you evolved with members, have you do you have a larger stake in the band than you know I, some of the newer guys, or how do you work that out? That is like a you know, I wouldn't say a larger stake. It's more of like okay, we know that Josh yeah. and Justin are the guys who are hunting down the shows and, and out there doing the stuff right. and lining the stuff up and doing all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's, I mean, really, like, like you, we're not talking about, we're not talking about huge dividends difference sure. here. It's like, yeah. it's like a, it's a literally like a courtesy thing of just being like, are you cool with, you know, I sent out like a bunch of, and then people are like, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. I can't even believe like we're even having this conversation right now. <laughs> like, I got to pay for stamps. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, so it really isn't even um, a thing like that. And it's so close. Everything is so close. And, 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 and most of the, uh, most of the time, any of the differences in the payouts are honestly just covering like tax uh, mm -hmm. on the back end, so that we're making sure that you know um, everything we're that we're never going to be like chased down by somebody and be like, "Hey, you owe us like forty million dollars." Sure, stupid. <laughs> but we, I don't, I don't, I'm not worth forty million dollars. So I can't say <laughs> something. <laughs> Unless there's some crazy interest I just don't know about. <laughs> you guys haven't placed that song on, uh, you know, Miami Vice 3? Not yet. <laughs> the new familiar is that we tried hard for placement, but the best we ever did was we recorded the Bojangles Fish Sandwich commercial, um, which they air every year around Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just like, it's like a Bojangles Fish Sandwich song to the tune of Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Um, but that's the most placement that we ever. So, got. will you see? Do you see a check every year for that? No, we also got lump sum on it. Okay. So, like, who knew? Yeah, I, we didn't know anything about <laughs> it. But here's the weird part about it. Um, so, we go to this recording session, and all the execs are supposed to be there, and they're going to serve us breakfast, and we're going to record in front of the execs. You know, we're going to get really awesome, excited about this Bojangles commercial. And like um, immediately, I know you're thinking you're like a, a, rock, a band, a 
bearded dudes are gonna get excited about recording in front of execs like nobody gets excited about recording in front of people <laughs> but least of all execs and you're right on that but they were gonna serve us breakfast and we did get excited about Cajun fillet biscuits for <laughs> free and bow rounds like come on that's awesome like that's a cornerstone of any new familiars breakfast because if you've ever met the new familiars you know we love bojangles <laughs> uh, and we get there and they are serving I, there's no other way to say it. Fucking bagels and cream cheese. <laughs> and, and, and and you're there and it's like and it's it's the exacts of Bojangles and there's fucking bagels and cream cheese. And there's no Cajun filet biscuit and there's no bow rounds and we have to go and we have to sing this jingle. And then we got paid lump sum and we don't even get we don't even see a royalty off of that. Or anything. Now was I mean, did you look at that opportunity like did you take advantage of like, getting a good studio or, you know, was there anything that out of the norm that like, hey, they're paying for it. Let's use this place. Let's use this guy. Let's use this engineer. Was there anything you could? The, the engineer was just a buddy of ours. Okay. It was just like Jason Hausman. He owns Hot Taki. Yep. Um, and I have, I, you know, I have barked up that tree uh, several times, but Hausman is pretty adamant about the fact that his studio is just not set up for a proper band recording right. the way that he would want to do it, and we would have to go to Echo Mountain or Muscle Shoals to really do it right. And I'm always just like, I'm I love gorilla recording. And that would take us to Ancient Cities World, which is like a whole different ballgame than sure. the familiars. Like we we've built a, a studio. Uh, uh, our keyboard player Justin Faircloth, and the top of his house uh, is a studio now, and we record there. Uh, we can record analog, or we can record digital. Oh wow! Uh, we I was assuming I was assuming digital. I know there's a lot of uh, analog coming back. Oh yeah, so that takes a lot of time and equipment and oh, yeah. money. And, yeah, we've invested and in, and uh, and the uh, also hours, blistering hours of just. Uh, trying to get the sounds right mm -hmm. uh, but it's awesome because it's in Justin's house and uh, and Steven is already uh, so this is ancient cities this is a whole nother world yep um, and Steven is already a phenomenal producer in my mind um, he's messed with some of my Americana efforts and made them sound in a way that I never imagined them sounding mm -hmm. but I like it uh, and so that gets me excited but he's he's been really uh, at the forefront of the sound of ancient cities as far as uh, creating the soundscapes and those sorts of things and and he then he turns me loose like a like a madman like and and I go like wildly painting stupid banjo on a song <laughs> or you know or like he'll let me put like a Metallica bass riff in the middle of a you know a weird dance tune or something you now know how like, would you describe ancient cities sound i mean it's like a it's like a somewhere between uh i don't man that's so hard it's like a pop psychedelic rock thing i, I can't, okay. it's hard not it's to so say a pop. psychedelic comes comes through a lot in a lot yeah. of the reviews yeah but i mean like i rarely hears people say pop and i feel like there's some pop to it i definitely feel like this last album supermoon blackout yeah, yeah. there's there's so there's melody i think whenever you have good melodies that's where kind of pop influence comes in yeah and, and steven's like really cognizant of that sort of thing like me like i'm you know i'm really just like having fun with like textures of riffing and like how i want to lay the bass out or like you know what else can i add to a song and i didn't really i didn't step out of 
base world in Supermoon Blackout at all, other than to say, like, hey, the bongos should be played on the other side of the drum beat instead of on the same beat. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only other creative input I really gave on that album. A little bit of vocal stuff, but, like, everything on that one, like, we, we like, let everybody's instrument be everybody's instrument, you know? So, like, like keyboard, like, is, like, really keyboard like mm-hmm. there's not like uh, the first album has like a whole bunch of horns and a whole bunch of string sections and uh, a bunch of extra percussion and everything but superman blackouts like that's like what we sound like live there's no there's no like extra um sixth or seventh member or anything did you play on both albums yeah the self-titled and then uh superman blackout yeah the 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 self-titled i came in uh they were about 75% done with the record and uh and they just like gave me like a, a few days to just like run around in the studio we were we were recording at Susu studio with Chris Waldorf uh he's he's doing a lot of crazy stuff right now he's over in uh Europe working on a film uh but he has a studio uh over it's kind of Plaza Midwood okay um and it's called Susu Studio, and that's where the first album was going on. And uh, and so I go in there, and and there's a lot of history in there that I won't get into. But like, a lot of our friends' bands, if you've been here in Charlotte in the last 20 years, have passed through those doorways. Um, so, you know, we, it, I, I, I got really energized in there. So like, you know, I'm, I put banjo and guitar on on the record. I didn't put any um, any bass on that first album. Uh, and, now, were you, and I did some vocals on that first album. I was under, I'm under the impression, just that, but I think by the way your bio was written, were you asked to join them? Were they an established band, or were they kind of getting together and playing with other people, and then when they kind of needed to cement it, did they he, yeah, bring he had, you in? He had started up, um, what he had done is he had taken his first band, Secondhand Stories, and sort of recycled it into Ancient Cities, and then uh, like the material wasn't, taking hold with like the current lineup it just like wasn't working Mm -hmm. um because the it's very um at some points it's very fluid and at some points it's like just play the stinking song you know what i mean like like it's like like this is what it sounds like play it like this And, and uh and and it just wasn't coming together um and so he and i took it all the way down to just the two of us uh and then brought it right back up um, from that and uh, and that way we were able to really get the right personnel around us and, mm-hmm. and I say that but we've gone through some growing pains just like any band sure. uh, so you know Jonathan Erickson uh, was originally on our drum kit and then we added Matt Braniff as a keyboard player uh, and uh, Jonathan left us uh, right before uh, we went up to do the Newport Folk Festival. So we like we found this um, drummer, James Doolin, who was working at uh, the Fillmore at the time. He'd always been a friend of ours, and he'd been playing with his band Batsheet here in town. And I'd been out to see them plenty, and I loved them, and I knew that they had no tempo issues. And for me, like, like I love drummers that have no tempo issues. Like, uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I live what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd seen him, and it was a solid rock drummer. And I knew we needed a rock drummer. We didn't need a jazz drummer. Um, 
and I knew he had no no temper issues, and um, and we'd had you know I think we'd had whiskey together before, so he had passed like the three litmus tests, you know? <laughs> and so we recruited James Doolin in like forty eight hours. He learned all the material, and we went up and we played the Newport Folk Festival, and uh, and he rocked the first set so hard that Jay Sweet, the the guy that runs the festival, came down and said, "Dude, you guys were great. You want to play tomorrow?" And we were like. Play again? Yeah. <laughs> Duh, this is awesome. This is like Toyland. And he's like, all right, cool. We'll let you know when you're going to play. And then the next day, they told us at like noon that we would be on at five o'clock in the satellite stage uh, out in the main field. So, like, they have like the big stage. Yeah. Um, and then when the music on the big stage stops, the satellite tent stage has like, you fire up music over there. So, like, immediately, like, like you know, like, a big shift of everybody. Thousands of people over. just turn around. They just literally, they just turn around. Because they know we're like, we're nobody, but we're at least in the stage yeah. at Newport Folk Festival. So um, so Sufjan Stevens played. Sufjan, Su- Sufjan, I don't, yeah. whatever. Don't ask me. However you say his name. He pl- he opened, and then we played. I like to say it that way, but he didn't really open. <laughs> he played, he finished his set, and then we respectfully started ours. <laughs> Um, and then uh, we were almost done with our song, uh, our, our last song, and we hear this huge calamity from the main stage. Uh, the Decemberists tried to cut us off, but everyone standing there listening to us were like, no, fuck that, keep playing. <laughs> and so we finished our song. We had like, we, I literally got to go like toe to toe sonically with the Decemberists. Uh, funny. Now they had stacks that were like, <laughs> the size of buildings so they won that battle but at least i got the fight you know and <laughs> they haven't won the war yeah you know <laughs> they i got this i got to at least you know scratch them in a, in a, in a minor way they maybe stubbed their toe <laughs> on the sound of ancient cities um but it was fun and it was a and then converse who who are the people who brought us up for the festival sent us to boston where we started working on uh, Supermoon Blackout at mm-hmm. the uh, Converse uh, Rubber Track Studio in Boston. Right, and you work with Seth Manchester. Yeah, great name, right? Yeah, yeah I looked. I looked him up. I didn't see. I, I didn't see anybody I recognized. I saw like Deer Tick. Deer Tick. Um, That's like and the... some other band, but yeah. How was that? I mean, was that somebody they gave you him? Like yeah. you didn't select him. Was that a good experience? It was awesome. It was awesome because it was a really professional studio and he listened to the music beforehand and he was like, I'm really excited about having you guys in here. And then he he had worked in the studio before, so he already had some tricks in mind on how to um, artistically create reverb. So it was like, you know, our drums were tracking, uh, but we just opened up the doors to the studio room uh, and it led into this giant stairwell. Uh, that was uh, a whole wall. Like most of the walls were like cinder block, but a whole wall of it was glass. So he just stuck a microphone out in that stairwell with the doors open while the drums were tracking, and you get this like incredible oh, cool. reverb <laughs> on it. It's just it's so it's like you know it's like one of those things where like you know like you just you can't you don't get that reverb on a plug-in. Mm-hmm. You know like that's that's something that's specific and it's there for the moment, and you can't. You, unless you're trying to, it would take a long time to cre- create that sound otherwise, in my mind. What was the deal for, did you get the studio for a day, a week, three eight day, hours? Three days. That's it's, pretty good. Yeah, was and awesome. was this whole thing based on, a, did you guys win something 
Did you win a, a, a yeah contest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm looking we, for a word. We won a we won a contest, and and uh, you know our our uh, it was cool. Um, so that got you the to the folk festival, and then it got you a recording opportunity. Yeah, we we were suggested. Uh, someone had had seen that we had applied for the festival and suggested that we apply for this contest because we didn't get into the festival. But maybe if we applied for this fest uh, for the contest, right. that maybe that would help us to get into the festival. So we applied for it and we didn't hear back anything, like nothing. We didn't hear anything. And then the Monday before the festival, they sent us an email and we're like, hey, congratulations, you're playing the Newport Folk Festival. It was like, are you kidding me? Did that come with like your plane tickets will be ready? Or was it like, no, we'll it see like, you there? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> we'll see you there. And so then like, it was like, is this doable? Well, first, Stephen screenshot it because like, I don't know where I was, but, but like, Stephen took the screenshot and he sent it to me and he was like, I think this might be legit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you should look at it before I get excited. Um, and so, you know, so, of course, like, I, I go and I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, I can be there. Can you be there? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I think I can be there. And so then we, we hit up our keyboard player, Matt Braniff, and he, and he could be there. And uh, and that's when we had to find James Doolin. And, that's funny. And we went up and we did that. And then... Um, and then those guys had to go on to do other things. Like James is now out in Tennessee doing, uh, doing lighting. Uh, he's he goes out on tour with that. What's the song? What's the band that that sang Hey Delilah? Uh, oh, the uh, plain, T-shirt guys. Plain white tees. <laughs> the T-shirt yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So James is like their um, <clears throat> their lighting. He's their engineer. lighting engineer and drum guru um, guy. So. Like he's hanging out with their drummer all the time, and then uh, making them look beautiful on stage. <laughs> That's cool. And he's flying to like exotic places, and like you know, like he's always sending me like little messages or <laughs> like little thing, like videos of him by a pool with a drink, like doing nothing. <laughs> You're a jerk. Uh, but yeah, living the life. Yeah. Um, was Agent City set up in a similar way um, New Familiars were business wise? No. Um, the, like new, fam new familiars, you think like, are you meaning like LLC wise and yeah. all that sort of stuff? No. Just like, you know, how is it run? How is it run? Or how's it run differently? It's run more like a sole proprietorship. Um, and then, uh, and then people pay it as, as members of the band of being like, you know, guys who are, um, you, in you invest in whatever comes along. Yeah, um, and and you 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 know that certain investments you you try to make the right investments. Right. And right now, um, now we have it to the point of it's uh, it's myself. Uh, I, I handle a lot of. We're trying to get it out of my hands, which I would love, mm -hmm. and which the guys would love as well, because they'd love to have me just be like the simple like just look at it from the music side of things sure. um and 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 i'd love that too um but uh i also know that i love playing in this band and i love playing with these guys and so until that opportunity comes along uh, i'll just continue doing what i do 
and and uh, we've got a buddy who helps us um, along the way, just doing emails and what he can, uh, and and you know, um, in all in all intents and purposes, he is our booking agent because he is a person who is sending the emails to book us the shows right. that we don't have to do. I mean, yeah. does he have any kind of like formal, true, real thing of like wanting to be a booking agent or anything? Mm -hmm. No. Are we really paying him like any significant dollar amount to do this? No. Is he an awesome friend who um, really loves the band and wants to see us succeed so he'll send out mass amounts of emails when he's bored sitting around at the house sure yeah that's, nice. that's the guy that's great yeah so uh but like you know I, I write press press releases for us um you know i stay on top of like routing things out for us and and making sure that we're um we're having fun yeah because like we're at the point now where it's like okay we all have our hustle or whatever. Like, I don't really need to have ancient cities uh, take over the world. What I do want to have ancient cities do is have fun. Uh, and I like to go to New York City to play music. So, like, the band has agreed that that's something we like to do for fun. So we go up there and we do that. And we play that gig. We, play, we just played with Lowry in Brooklyn at Our Wicked Lady. And it was killer. And we had so much fun that they want to bring us back and put us out on their patio in the spring where they'll be like, you know, 200 people instead of like the room that we played for this past time. Right. And, and I think that's, I think that in the music business attracts a lot when you go see a rock show and the rock bands have fun. Yeah. Um, you can feel it. That translates. You can, you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. And so we go out to Tennessee and we have fun in Tennessee. We, we get down to Savannah, Georgia and Charleston and out to Wilmington. Um, you know, we get around, uh, enough on the East Coast, but we're not like, we're not like, oh, how do we get out of California? If we could only get out there, we would be famous. Right. And if we could be <laughs> famous, then, you know, but we're also doing fun stuff, you know, like we got placed on Shameless. Uh, we got placed on uh, Cougar Town. Oh, great. Uh, we got placed on Imaginary Mary, uh, which we were the last song. We were the swan song for Imaginary Mary. Like over the end credits? Yeah. That's cool. Over the, over the final episode before they canceled it. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're the very last song <laughs> of the entire series. That's cool. Is that is that pretty good money? I mean... It's okay money. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's And that's that's you guys hustling. Are you... Did you guys... We got a guy. You got a guy? We do have a guy. Okay. We do have a guy now. Um, He's out in... I don't know where he is now. I feel like I thought he was in L.A. and then he was in New York and maybe he's in Ohio now. He's one of Stephen's known him for years, and good good person to have. I mean, if they're in the know, that's all it takes. Yeah, every few months, like we get an email and it's like, hey, send me the instrumental of da 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 song. Sure. And then inevitably, like they don't even use the instrumental; they use the vocal track. Like they use like the that one Just Shameless. The it's awesome because like. Uh, the dad is like about to burn down the building, so he's like <laughs> dumping gasoline, and like juice comes on. It's like, doo, gee, doo, gee. and he's just like dumping. He's like, I'm gonna burn this place down, and then he can't find the match or something, and he realizes it's like a total bad idea, and he goes and has a beer. Um, but for one moment in time, ancient cities. What's the lead actress's name? Uh, Emily Rossbaum or something like that. Yeah, total babe. Yeah. 
she's standing there speaking her lines over an ancient city song. That's, I mean, that's great. I mean, I kind of feel like we made it, <laughs> you know? In some regards, maybe somewhere we have. Well, it's interesting that, I mean, you were saying you sent out press releases and stuff. I, I noticed you you're, you guys are written up on Consequence of Sound. I mean, that's a great website, very influential. Um, you had the whole Pace thing. I think they wrote you up, and they also, you guys seem to do a, a video, uh-huh. some video performance for them. Yeah. And that's. I assume that's all you just reaching out, trying to make things happen, and they get back to you with opportunities? Or There's a partial in there. So um, Pace is us reaching out. Um, you know, they, they, like, they released our David Bowie song. Um, I I literally just wrote a press release and they took it and gave it to one of their writers and he changed a few words around. (laughs) Yeah. And and then article went out and it was like, ah, great. Yeah. I don't care how I got there. I mean, and, and if, if you're out there trying to figure out how to do that, I'll tell you people in press really like it for you to go ahead and write the article for them. Uh, and they may add an introductory or a conclusion, or they may edit a few things, but they actually do like to get articles uh, pre-written. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and it works out. And so the pace thing worked out for us. But we actually, for the last album, we hired a real publicity firm. Um, Girly Action showed uh, they loved our Bee Gees cover. Um, and so uh, we brought them on for a three-month contract. And... Uh, they are with My Morning Jacket and Preservation Hall Jazz Band and Nicole Atkins and um, a lot of heavy hitters. So we were like the low man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what they were able to deliver as the low man on the totem pole, I was so quite, you know, like you, cool. you're like, hey, you're in Consequence of Sound. And that was that was completely them. Oh, that's um, cool. they, they worked that one out. Paste was us, but Consequence was them. Um, they also got us in, I want to say, uh, vinyl. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff written, but some of it's us, some of it's them when it comes to the ancient cities world. Mm-hmm. Um, but that three month contract is over. Yeah. So well, it's good. You feel that it was yeah. money well spent. Yeah. And we're working on the next album and we'll probably hire them back on for, you know, a big portion of that. Um, and Maybe this next time that will help grow the business into the portion where we can retain them for six months. Mm-hmm. Or we've never done a Kickstarter. We've never done a um, GoFundMe. Right. You know, it's like we've put out albums. So, like, if you really want to help Kickstart, just buy the record. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the old-fashioned way. Yeah, it's like what the fuck? Like, people <laughs> bands used to be able to make money and not. I, I'd never recall Pearl Jam ever sending me a letter being like, "Please, <laughs> if you give us yeah. your donation, we'll record the next album and I'll tell your name on my blog." And like, like Pearl Jam never said that. Like, what happened to rock stars? Like, like where are they going? You know? Yeah. And I know gas prices are worse than they were back. <laughs> then but like i don't know like uh uh take out a business loan go bank beg, beg the bank stop begging your fans i don't know i i shouldn't look down my nose at people because there's so many people that have been successful at it but it just makes my head hurt yeah because like okay go fund me come to the show maybe go fund me buy my record go, <laughs> go fund me buy a t-shirt uh, go fund me get the hat like we have all sorts of merch. We even have koozies, you know. If you just want a casual day beer, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's move along. I want to get into uh, your your charitable work. 
seems very interesting. I think yeah. um, now that we've painted me as the, the <laughs> transient red musician who swears a lot, please. With the heart of gold. With the heart of gold. Let's give my redeeming qualities because well, everybody needs redemption. Right? Well, it's, it's funny that you really, you're, you're a performer who does it for the love of it. You yeah. enjoy performing. And the way you set up these shows, it's, it sounds like a freaking blast. It is. I mean, it's it's and it's funny. I, I must have I, I th- in looking at in looking at the the notes I took and the different you know artists you guys uh, you know saluted. I I came in the office one day and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if if you did a benefit show and you got a bunch of local bands and like you know whoever you know Petty had just passed away and and you get a bunch of bands and you do you know just cover songs all night <laughs> and it was Will's you know Will's yeah. Will's from Shadowgraphs. He's like. Yeah, they do that already. That's uh, yeah. and, and I know it wasn't my idea. I know that was seeded. I knew I literally probably read it verbatim from what you're doing with Levine mm-hmm. uh, Children's Hospital and just recycling them. But like, hey, what a great idea I have, you know. But let, tell me about the how did that begin? Um, the 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 whole concert itself um, came out of originally. Uh, I think the, the, the biggest catalyst, what, what the straw that broke the camel's back for me, uh, my friends uh, Eric and Chrissy had a son whose heart was wired up backwards. Okay. Uh, and they struggled for months uh, to try to keep him alive. And for that whole time, like, I, I couldn't even figure out a way to like, say I'm sorry. Like, I, I didn't even know how to approach the situation, you know, because like, like, what, what do you say to somebody who's going through that? Sure. Like, oh, man, I feel you. Like, yeah. You, 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 so you can't you, say I know what you're going through unless you've... Yeah, you know. yeah. And, and I've never gone... I don't have any kids. I, don't, I, I can't even keep a girlfriend. Um, so uh, they... Uh, it, I felt helpless. And, and I felt helpless in the past, you know. Uh, but this time, like, it just really sank home with me. Uh, and uh, at the... At the same time, uh, Ray Manzarek passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, my buddy was in charge of the neighborhood theater, and he uh, needed some shows over the summer. He had some light, he had some holes, he had a weekend that was wide open, uh, and uh, he wanted to know if Ancient Cities or the New Familiars could play, but we already had commitments at other places, so it was like we couldn't do like a full-on show, uh, and so I just... Like sat there and I thought about it for a little while and then came to him and was like, "What if, what if we we just did a tribute to the Doors and we just got a bunch of the bands together and we just shared the same backline and like everybody just got up they played three songs and we just made a rowdy night out of it. Uh, we just took all the money and we gave it to the Children's Hospital and you guys keep the bar. What do you think about that?" And he was like, "I love it." because uh, you know that's what he was re- I mean he needed the bar but he yeah. also loved the idea of it and um, and so you know the neighborhood theater has been the place that I've always held the show at uh, and, and I've just kept moving forward with the, that whole concept of, um, of of really just trying to pay in my mind like when an artist uh, passes away uh, and, and we lose somebody, or if you're paying tribute to somebody, uh, 
especially in the music world, the best way to do that is is to make something positive out of that tribute. To make something with it. You don't, you know, you don't just go up there and you play the songs. Right. And uh, like, like that's not really delivering anything. You know, anybody can learn a song and play a song, but like actually make something with it and do something with it. And uh, and and that came back full circle. So we do this Doors thing, and uh, and everything happens and it's it's super cool and uh and we raise you know thousands of dollars for the children's hospital and they're all excited about it and uh and then uh, i i do this interview with the charleston newspaper in south carolina and i'm talking to the guy about it because ancient city is about to play down there and mm -hmm. he's just curious about it and he's like oh that's super cool and and coincidentally i'm about to uh, do an interview with john dinsmore Oh, oh, that's wow. super cool. So, so then this guy he goes and he does an interview with John Dinsmore, uh, and uh, he tells John all about what I did and all that sort of thing. Well, John's friends with Drumstrong, uh, which is Scott Swimmer here in Charlotte. So John sends a thank you to me through Scott Swimmer for you know not only paying tribute to Ray Manzarek but also turning around and. and doing right by it you right know, like sure. actually like making a positive out of it and he was you know he's really touched by it and like for, to the, the door like i told you earlier the doors is my dad's favorite band mm -hmm. so like when i got to tell my dad that john dinsmore just sent me a thank you <laughs> it's like well, that freaked out a little bit but um but uh, and that got drumstrong involved with us as well so for a while drumstrong uh was pledging to match dollar for dollar uh what we brought in in donations uh, which was a really awesome thing, and that's Scott Swimmer is a friend of mine. And I can connect you with him. Okay. Uh, you think I can talk? I'm always looking for you. Wait till you talk <laughs> to him. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, and so that just that very first experience was enough of a catalyst to keep. The, I mean, enough of a uh, affirmation to keep things going. Right. Uh, and and as I've continued down the whole travel of of this whole process um you know we've we've raised close to fifty thousand dollars at this point we're doing the tom petty tribute as you know on yeah. december 8th uh what I've, I've i've moved out of just like the um just out of like the the fun music things that excite me about it and now it's as you get into the meat and potatoes of it so now like uh what gets me excited about it is meeting uh people involved at the hospital whether it's the the doctors mm -hmm. or the administrators or the parents or you know we've gone down and we've done uh drum therapy with the children so now i'm meeting patients there and uh they brought me onto the ryan seacrest studios there to sit and talk about uh the whole process and the movement and um you know it's it's become something tangible and real and uh something it's it's what started out to be like a really fun concept of like let's do just do something good yeah uh, it's actually become something that's like let's work at something good and 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 for me like in it's, it's like a purpose in life yeah I've, no. I've moved out of just like being uh you know an adventurous band guy to actually having a point to the adventure yeah um and for me that's that that's uh that's been really settling for me over these past uh few years because there was definitely some times where you know as 
you, you start to develop gray hairs as a as a, a an adult will. I. Uh, <laughs> You start to look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. You know, like uh, for a moment there, I did have a man bun. I won't, I won't lie. And I cut it off and I said, you know, just try and do some adult things. But, you know, like. Uh, well, I got to admit, I wasn't sure what you're going to be, what I was going to be faced with today. Yeah. Like the beard, the, the beard, hair, the mutton chops, the hair. I, yeah, I shave. I'm very manic when it comes to hair and, <laughs> and the face and all of that. So, but um, I've been keeping kind of clean these days. So, what are some of the other artists that you've paid tribute to? Uh, the Outlaw Country one was a lot of fun for me. It wasn't the most productive one for us, uh, unfortunately, but I, I loved it because like, we did like John Prine and Tons Van Zandt and uh, the, all sorts of great Willie Nelson and uh, Johnny Cat. Everybody did everybody you can think of. The Lou Reed tribute was really nice. Uh, uh, the 80s tribute was insanely awesome. Uh, we did a tribute to the music of New York City on 9 11. Oh, wow. uh, that's cool. Because, you know, that seemed appropriate. Like 9 11 fell on like a Saturday last year or two years ago. I can't even remember. They all run together now. But we were, oh man, that was the best closer ever. Uh, we closed with uh, a full band backing uh, a, a rap group doing Beastie Boys. And uh, we opened up with You Gotta Fight For Your Right to Party. And like, people were totally engaged like the whole time, like screaming. You would have thought the Beastie Boys were really playing, <laughs> but they weren't. And, but it was cool because there's video of it and they're like super engaged. And, uh, and anytime that you can keep a crowd of people for the entire time at a, at a benefit concert, uh, you're, you're doing good. Doing I, good I know how hard it is. I, and, and that's a cool thing about this community is that all of us work together when it comes down to like making the show really work. Like I just organize, like right. I just call people and I keep the lists together and I, uh, and, and, and I try to put like the right mix of bands together to like keep it eclectic enough and, and not have like all the same fan base there, you know, like right. if you get, if you go a wide variety on that fan base you're you're bound to show up with a, a good amount of people i i hope um but uh well the petty thing should do very well yeah i mean he's a he's a giant i know i know a lot of these guys are giants but he's a he's a pop culture giant which uh, you know i think in terms of just i mean like lou reed is a is a hall of famer yeah. but i think he he wasn't as widespread i just think petty Everybody adored Petty. He's got such a massively the enjoyable event, catalog. I think people are gonna you're gonna do well this the year. Event's been sh shared like over a hundred times now. Yeah. There's like forty four thousand people have shown interest in the event. Like, <laughs> like, I I I have no idea what to expect, but I always hope that we're gonna finally sell out the show because a sold out show means close to ten thousand dollars for the hospital. That'd be great. Uh, and and that's man that. And it's every six months. It's at the neighborhood theater. It's called Tribute to Benefit. Uh, I'm literally the, there was a there was a concert in Paraguay that uh, somebody did with Pearl Jam. Uh, there was a tribute to Benefit down there. Uh, and they did like seven posts on that hashtag, and I'm like the only other person <laughs> out there using it. So I, I feel pretty safe about being Tribute to Benefit. Uh, and it it's 
if you if you don't know anything about the Levine Children's Hospital, uh, it's rated top in the world in seven seven different fields mm-hmm. uh, for children's treatment and. Uh, they're doing nothing short of miracles there, uh, if if not on an hourly basis, at least on a daily basis. There, uh, they're they're saving the most innocent people. Uh, they're saving their lives and uh, and doing things that uh, they're pushing medicine forward. Yeah, uh, and and trying to eradicate things like childhood cancer and leukemia. Uh, and uh, spinal bifida and, and, and all sorts of things that, that children are, are stricken with that, that are just terrible. You and I, clearly, we had fortunate childhoods. Uh, we have, you know, from what I can see, you have all ten fingers there. Um, you know, like we, we were born pretty, pretty happily, and we, we grew into men. So, in, in my opinion, uh, you can't, continue to have a community feed you without feeding it back. Right. And so uh, I hope that more people start to look at it from that aspect because I'm just, I'm, you know, you if you were here for the first half of the interview, uh, I'm just the guy in the band that knows how to play a bunch of instruments <laughs> who has taken the liberty of traveling around the United States with his buddies in a van and doesn't really care where he sleeps. Uh, so, you know, I mean, not a Harvard graduate here, you know. Yeah. Uh, but a, a little bit of um, a little bit of work will go a long way when it comes down to service. Yeah. Uh, and service in the community, I think, is something that all of us need to really start to think about as far as what responsibility each one of us takes on on an annual basis, uh, because there's a lot of problems out there. Um, and the only way that we're going to solve them is if we all start getting our hands dirty. Because uh, otherwise, we're just going to keep talking face blue in the face uh, about the people up on Capitol Hill, regardless yeah. of whatever party's up there. Yeah. You know, it's never going to be good enough until we all start taking care of the problem. Um, yeah. I could get True. political on you because I, I, I mean, I, I like the rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do that off mic. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too far down. I don't want to get into a debate here, but I do believe in, in civic responsibility. I was in Boy Scouts growing up. That's actually where I discovered good music. Uh, I was in Boy Scouts with uh, Graham Sharp from the Steep Canyon Rangers. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know banjo that. player. Uh, and uh, he discovered that I was listening to Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson and things of that nature. And, and he told me, he was like, Grateful Dead, his, Pink Floyd. His good deed for yeah, the day. Yeah, he <laughs> saved me. Um, and now he's a banjo player with Steve Martin. And, and if you know anything about banjo, you know that that isn't good music. Uh, that sounds terrible. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, wait, wait, wait. What's your point? Let's back that up. <laughs> no, I, you know, a lot of people say, you know. I'm going to say in the wrong, hand, in the wrong yeah. hands, for yeah, sure. Yeah, what's the best way to play a banjo? <laughs> you put it in the case. Um, so, uh, but no, no, no. I, I love banjo, and I do. Graham and I, we, we catch up from time to time. And, and he, uh, he saved me. He, he is definitely a significant figure as far as pointing me in the right direction. I probably have like six significant figures uh, that I can trace back in my formative years that were like, you're listening to what? <laughs> Take this tape, 
you know, and listen to this and come back to me with your notes. You know, so it's funny. It's funny that you were ex- very accepting of that. Cause I think, I think part of my, uh, adolescence was, I hated being told what to like. Yeah. Like I, re- I, I pushed back REM for so long. So I was like, I don't in college, you know, it's like, eh, you're supposed to like them in college, you know, like it's, and, yeah. and, and now I'm like, God, what was I thinking? I, I could have, you know, I could have really, uh, seen their shows when they were, you know, a lot younger and when prices were affordable. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, we gotta, we gotta wind things down. Um, I always wind things down with the same five questions to every guest. All right. That's the final five. So, uh, and hopefully won't be, uh, interrupted. I think we're overstaying our, our, overstaying our stay. Is that the, is that the phrase? I, overstaying our welcome. I'm very sorry, guys. <laughs> So, um, first question is, what's your most valuable musical uh, item? And in value, it could be, it's sentimental value, it could, it could be five cents worth, or it could be something that's expensive. Oh, man, the most valuable, I would have to say, would be my guitar case, because without that, I couldn't have gone anywhere, you know? That guitar would have been obliterated forever ago. Right. Get that's yourself re- a good case, folks. That's very practical. Do you have any... Is, I'm very utilitarian. Any, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, the, you, you, some people, it's like, you know... My, my last guest said her capo. I was like, yeah, no, that's not a wrong answer, but you got to... You got to learn how to play without you know, one when they're burying, When you're putting you six feet under, are you going to make sure the capo's with you? <laughs> no, but, but you, you need a case. Are you going to be buried in your guitar case? Yeah, yeah, just that, I think... That, you're on to something there, you know? Like, put, just put my ashes in my guitar case and <laughs> set me down the river. Um, question two, I, I'm, I'm going to assume the answer, but it's if I were to give you a million dollars for charity, who gets it? Oh, yeah, the Children's Hospital. Okay. Just go straight over. Um, your walk-up music to heaven? Uh, broke Down Palace, Grateful Dead. Okay, nice. Dig that. Um what song is stuck on repeat in hell? Oh man, whose whose bed have my boots been under? Yeah, Shania, anything Shania Twain I think <laughs> would probably kill me. Um, you know, God, that's that's a really that's a wide river there, man. Honestly, I mean, I could go on for hours. <laughs> a, lot my, a lot of my guests feel that way. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's very much easier to say which song is at the gates of heaven than what songs at the gates of hell, like. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and final question: What was your uh, what's your best live concert experience? Seeing which act have you seen or witnessed or had the? I saw the Allman Brothers more than any band I've ever seen. I'd, I paid more money to see Greg Allman perform than any band ever. Was there ever that one show that stuck out that you were like, uh, "I won't. This is this is the show." Man, you know, like, ah. Uh, no, there isn't, you know, because like it was always just like the experience and all of that, it, mm-hmm. you know, it was everything. And, and, and it was always God, the, the Allman Brothers. There is never that. I don't think there's ever going to be a band like the Allman Brothers because like the Grateful Dead were cool and all, you know, for what they did. But the Allman Brothers, like they, they never were like out like, you know, the Grateful Dead would be out, you know, like space. Drums. I can always hit fast forward on that stuff, but Mm -hmm. I never hit fast forward on Elizabeth Reed or Whippin' Post or any of their long jams, you know. And and then when we opened for Greg Allman, it was like I got to meet Greg backstage, and then I'm gonna shit myself. And it was (laughs) just like, you know, because it came around full circle. I mean, like who 
who spends like all of their spare money to go see this band and dance barefoot in this field and like throw up in the car on the way home, like stuff like that. Like that's my Grateful Dead, my, I'm sorry, my Greg Allman experiences. Right. Like I was total like college hell raising phase of like, let's go see the Allman Brothers again and just get drunk, which is a terrible way to paint yourself as a good figure, but whatever, I'm human. <laughs> um, and to meet him finally was, and I also have Dickie Betts, I have an autograph, uh, Fillmore, uh, live record by Dickie, Dickie Betts signed it for me. That's neat. Now, when you opened for Greg Allman, did you get to watch from the side of the stage when oh, yeah. he played? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't take the cake. It's the best. Uh... Oh, well, it was shit. I mean, Newport Folk Festival, you know, like Roger Waters played with My Morning Jacket there. I mean, like I, I stood backstage at Floyd Fest and watched Thievery Corporate. I mean, like I got a, a, I sat on the side of the stage and watched Levon Helm play. I mean, you know. Taj Mahal did the same thing. Taj told me backstage, he's like, shit, son, anybody plays as good as you can open for me anytime. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Taj, I learned your songs in college. <laughs> she said, Taj, uh, introduce me to your management. Yeah. And we'll make sure that's a, yeah, exactly. a done deal. Yeah, just give me your booking agent's <laughs> number. We'll sign that up right now. Uh, so anyway, well, I appreciate you talking hey, to me. Hey, Justin, I appreciate you coming in, and uh, it was great. Yeah. I need, I need guests like you. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'll come back, you know. Just, you let me know if you, if you want to get into more of... Uh, we'll have you back. I got a, I got a couple of things I'm going to have to ask you off mic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Off yeah. mic, your questions. I like it. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Justin Fedora. And if you're in the Charlotte area, please come out and support the Tom Petty tribute to benefit the Levine Children's Hospital on December 8th at the Neighborhood Theater. Tickets are almost gone, so get on it. It's a great show for a great cause. If you want to learn more about the new familiars and ancient cities, visit their respective Facebook pages for info, tour dates, and music. We're going to take a little holiday break here at Rockonomics. We'll be back in early 2018 with a whole new bunch of interviews with people in and around the music business, so check your feed come January for all new episodes. We will stay active on social media, so... Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There will be no break there. And uh, just want to wish everyone a safe and happy holidays this Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas season. So until 2018, good night, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs>